Hier komen wij in vreemd. Hello, my name is Rose Ward and you are listening to Red Flag Radio, the podcast of Red Flag newspaper here in Australia. Now I would like to begin by acknowledging that we're recording the show on Indigenous land, land that was stolen, that was never ceded, that was stolen through acts of genocide that continue today, that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. So Red Flag Radio is a revolutionary socialist podcast that talks about politics, history, things that are happening in the world activism, theory, struggle with people who are part of that struggle. And um, I want to encourage people, if you enjoy the show, to help spread the word through your social media. Um, You probably have friends that we don't have, and um, we make this show to try to engage more people in socialist politics, not to listen to the sound of our own voices. Everyone who comes on the show says, oh, my God, I hate the sound of my own voice. So we're doing this to try to share some ideas with people, see what people think about them, have these kind of discussions more broadly um, engaging. So that means sharing this podcast around to help f- to help with that project. So please do that. If you enjoy it, if you agree with us, or even if you disagree with us and you want to start a debate, we're open. So um, on this episode, we're responding to something pretty um, incredible that's happening in Australia right now. We are an Australian podcast and that is um, the mass poisoning event that's been going on um, across huge parts of this country, this land, this island. Um, but in particular, I guess it's been much more noticeable in the past couple of weeks because of the impact that it's been having um, on Sydney, the biggest city in Australia, um, and the climate there, which has been c- kind of covered in a dense and poisonous smoke from the bushfires that have been going on. So the two people I'm lucky to be joined by on the show today are activists from Sydney who happen to be here in Melbourne um, for a conference that we've just been having, and they're both socialist activists um, who are pretty well known in Sydney for being active on a whole range of different things. Simone White, who's a unionist as well in the Australian Services Union, a delegate in her workplace, and Chloe Rafferty, who's a student socialist activist um, from Sydney, who's part of the Coalition Students for Climate Justice, Uni Students for Climate Justice. Doesn't make a very good acronym, but we'll get there. Uni Students for Climate Justice, Chloe, who called a rally last week basically because um, nobody else (laughs) did and because something really, people were crying out really to express their anger about the situation and the lack of political response. Both... Chloe and Simone have written for Red Flag newspaper, which you can find on le- online, redflag.org.au, um, for their written work. And Simone, I want to start with um, the opening of your article that was published last week, where you wrote, The sun is an orange-red fireball. It hangs menacingly in a shroud of thick haze. Sometimes the dense ashen fog merges with the blazing incandescence of the sun and everything from the ground up is aglow. Intermittently, the sky rains ash over the metropolis from fires all along the New South Wales coast. Three immense fires north of Sydney have joined up to create what has been called a mega blaze. The city feels like a giant crematorium. Mm. Can you tell us a bit more 
about what it's been like in, in Sydney during this period? Mm. Well, um, I think uh, so it's extremely bad um, and that would be an understatement. I reckon uh, if we could sort of collect a dollar for every time the words uh, dystopian, uh, Armageddon, apocalyptic, apocalypse have been mm. used by people in Sydney um, and in the press in the last couple of weeks, we could quite possibly um, get together enough money to fund some fire services mm. uh, that aren't being funded by the Morrison government uh, or the state Liberal government um, in New South Wales. It is truly, utterly dystopian. Um, so we're in a situation where uh, in New South Wales, I think currently there's 114 fires burning. I can't remember the number of which, maybe half of them are burning out of control at the moment. Um, in the last couple of weeks, over 720 houses have been lost um, in New South Wales. Um, over 2 million hectares um, of land has been burnt. Um, I read an article uh, a couple of days ago talking about how a whole swathes of the forest uh, forests that have been burnt in New South Wales um, are now looking like they may not be able to regenerate. They may not actually be able to absorb, uh, reabsorb the carbon um, that is produced um, in these fires, which is an extremely dire situation. Um, uh, and a uh, situation of having now the Warrangamba Dam, which supplies 80% of Sydney's drinking water, um, being poisoned um, by the looks of it, by the um, smoke um, and fire ash. Um, so it's an extremely dire situation. And just in terms of, you know, what that looks like in Sydney, the city of Sydney, um, so there's been a lot of attention in the media rightly um, on the mass poisoning event that's taking place in Sydney. What that looks like um, is, for example, Walking outside um, around most parts of the, you know, area of Greater Sydney, which is it's a very big city, um, means that if you don't already have a pre-existing condition like asthma or a respiratory condition, you are coughing, choking, your eyes are burning, um, itching, itchy throat, um, it's hard to breathe, um, uh, you can't see um, ahead of yourself um, uh, at certain points, you know, like at, at the usual, you might be able to see several kilometres away into the horizon Well, you might not be able to see, you know, 500 metres, you know, in, in front of where you are. Um, it means that, you know, like you lick your lips because you've got a film of dirty, ashy smoke on your face. Um, you can feel it in the back of your throat. Um, uh, and so that's for people that don't have these pre-existing conditions. Um, smokes are filled, uh, trains are filled up with smoke, people reporting, mm. um, the fireys in the, in the centre of Sydney are being called out to fire alarms that are constantly going off in buildings. I think 600 call outs or something last week. Um, it is, um, and then for people that do have asthma and so on, you know, and respiratory conditions, um, it's just, uh, a situation where people, you know, have been advised they shouldn't go outside, can't go outside, um, and are, and are suffering really serious health health problems. Mm. And Chloe, I know we'll be able to hear it in your voice that you've been <laughs> sick yeah. as a result of this. I, as well. Like many people, have bronchitis, <laughs> uh, pretty bad colds, uh, which just uh, can't be shifted by the um, the smoke mass poisoning event basically going on in Sydney. And yeah, Simone's really not um, exaggerating at all. It's shocking, and I think people are really palpably angry. And the thing that has really hit home for people is that we're living through the climate crisis, that kind of shocking reality that the climate crisis, its effects on working class people's everyday lives is not just some distant thing in the future that is threatening us in 
you know, the IPCC report, the 11 years or a few years time, but is actually here and now. And the reality of the politicians not giving a shit, actually having next to nothing to say about this experience, Australia's biggest city, what's happening there. And like the day before the rally that we called, which was, um, you know, massive, way bigger than even we, our, our best hopes for what we would get in terms of a turnout, um, was probably one of the worst days in terms of mm. the smoke. And, you know, I was out leafleting for the rally and there was a noticeable increase in ambulances driving past. Mm. We just happened to be leafleting next to a cinema which got evacuated because the smoke is just pouring into buildings and mm. triggering fire alarms because it's actually that level of smokiness. Mm. Um, UNSW, uh, buildings, uh, fire alarms were going off, getting evacuated from that. And all the vice chancellor can do is send an email around to say, oh, don't worry, we're still in operation. Mm. When you're talking about 11 times what's considered the hazardous level of air quality. So it really like apocalypse, Armageddon, dystopic. These are the words that people are kind of throwing around to just walk through this cityscape that looks like it is from a sci-fi movie Mm. um, about some kind of apocalyptic crisis. It's just the smoke in the air, uh, the red haze of the sun, um, and people coughing and suddenly becoming experts on what P2 masks are. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and that's the thing I think as well that it exposes is, well, there's an immediate thing about how much money you have as to what your options are to deal with this, right, and what kind of work that you have to do. So um, Simone also talks in in her article about um, a GP who's like in the western suburbs with uh, in a community that is, you know, underfunded poor people basically working class people who Mm. don't have enough money for food let alone a gas mask or something and live in houses that are shunkily built have gaps in the windows under the doors who have pre-existing conditions who are being told to just stay indoors or Mm. they're having you know they're having to be on oxygen support all of that kind of stuff Mm. whereas there there is a difference if you live in a house that is well-built, sealed, you can afford a, a decent gas mask, you don't have to go somewhere, you know, and work outside or you can commute in a way that protects you more from the smoke or all of those kind of things that it's not just some long-term thing where rich people will be able to protect themselves from climate change. But it's happening now in mm. Sydney. It's the, the effects are way worse mm. if you don't have as much money, right? Mm. Absolutely. And so following on from what Chloe said about this is climate change now, I think the thing that what's going on in Sydney right now demonstrates, and it's happening in all other parts of the world as well, um, that um, what climate change means right now under capitalism is that all of um, the aspects um, of capitalism that um, revolve around the most serious divide in our society, which is between the people that own all the wealth and the people that produce it, the ruling class and the working class, that all of these um, key divides and um, uh, and relevant um, uh, other problems associated um, with the system of capitalism are going to be and are viciously um, uh uh, and um, much more um, visibly going to be um, evident and worsened, yeah? So what that GP pointed out was that um, this is an issue of social inequality, um, that 
all of the people, working class people, people who just have to keep getting up and going to work every day are in a very different situation to the people that can attend the Murdoch's Christmas party, um, like Scott Morrison and all of the richest people in Australia who on one of the worst days of this um, fire Armageddon crisis in Sydney were drinking Moe and partying it up um, at the Murdoch's $23 million mansion um, on the harbour in Sydney while everyone else just had to choke and if you have a lung disease and you can't get go to the doctor and you're going to die you will die mm. if you are a child um like i spoke to a we do a street stalls in sydney um where we um try to get people to engage them around the issue of the climate crisis and so on talk to them about coming to rallies and so on doing that last week i met a pediatrician or pediatrician's assistant who was telling me that all of the kids that she has who have autism and asperger's that need to come to weekly appointments um to see her but really serious, um, you know, behavioural and mental health problems. Half of them couldn't turn up because they weren't allowed outside um, that week. Um, th- there are, you know, there's. A, I have a workmate who hasn't been at work for two weeks because she has bronchitis um, and an, uh, and now an infection. She's used two weeks worth of annual leave mm. um, because of the impacts of the the fire smoke. So the working class has to pay yeah. for this crisis with their lives. Our the so you would think, I mean, like the worst fires in history, as far as anyone can tell, you know, like the mega fire, the fucking fire NATO video that people have been sharing around, the smoke, um, the health effects, uh, all of these kind of things, you think, okay, well, this is where the government says, okay, we need to probably do something about this. So the response um, of Scott Morrison last week, there was a press conference called and people thought, okay, may- maybe this is where he's going to say, here's what we're going to do about this. No, he introduces the, the new iteration of the religious discrimination bills, which are about basically entrenching in law the right for bigots to be transphobic, homophobic and so on if they can somehow say that it's something vaguely to do with their religious beliefs um, and basically refuses to answer any questions about the fire. Meanwhile, there are fire alarms going, you know, smoke alarms going off in the background of the press conference. Apparently he tries to leave the building and his car is trapped because the fire alarms mean that the doors have been locked and whatever. And still he continues to kind of ignore the gravity of this crisis. Like what, why is What's that about, Chloe? Well, we're all pretty <laughs> gleeful about um, Scott Morrison um, being trapped into his own bigoted press conference. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think there's uh, so much uh, anger at just the disdain with which Scott Morrison and Gladys Berejiklian in New South Wales have responded uh, to this. And, you know, uh, uh, things doing the rounds on social media about how firefighters are having to uh, GoFundMe their own breathing apparatuses to fight these fires. And Scott Morrison really trying to lean onto that kind of right-wing nationalist narrative that um, this is just uh, a natural cycle of Australia and we're all in this together and um, the bush firefighters, the volunteers want to be out there. And even seeing like some of the volunteer bush firefighters and the professional bush firefighters um, – responding with articles saying, how dare you not link this to the climate crisis? Mm. How dare you say that we want to be here? 
Um, uh, and yeah, how dare this be uh, your response to things to say that there's plenty of funding. So um, when they respond with something like uh, the announcement about uh, an even worse religious freedoms bill than what um, they've been cooking up for the last uh, couple of months, uh, people can really see uh, the role that that's playing in trying to distract and divide with bigotry, mm. trying to prop up this hard right base of uh, Morrison, but increasingly that's not cutting through uh, because uh, just the palpable disdain um, of uh, politicians. Everyone knows the stats that are going around in New South Wales about how much mm. Gladys Berejiklian's underfunded the firefighting services. Um uh, so uh, I think that's why we saw when you put the call out for a rally, you get tens and tens of thousands as opposed to the you know few hundred or the thousands that you might expect at a climate rally. Um, there's just so much anger there. And I think the other thing that that um, press conference demonstrated for him to get up on that day um, and announce um, the introduction of this bill um, about um, uh, ramping up bigotry, sexism, homophobia, transphobia in Australia, that the other thing that it demonstrates is that this system, their, their system is going to grind on in exactly the same way that it has been forever um, whilst we're in the midst of a giant crisis that, um, as we said, is going to disproportionately massively impact ordinary people, working class people, they are going to worsen all of the worst aspects of the system. They'll ramp up um, inequality. They'll ramp up racism, sexism, bigotry, um, you know, to cause distractions um, or to try to cause distractions away um, from what the real problem is, um, you know, which is their unceasing, unfailing devotion to the coal industry and big business um, in Australia, that will remain their highest priority and every aspect of the system will worsen. Repression will worsen, bigotry, racism, mm. all this sort of stuff, Mil uh, militarism, nationalism, um, all this sort of stuff will get worse. And just uh, in, for, for – um, we do have some international listeners. I check the stats. And people are kind of shocked in some ways that in Australia – Still, um, we have like this massive volunteer firefighting force. So I just wanted to say something quickly about that because the Rural Fire Service in New South Wales is the biggest volunteer firefighting service in the entire world. There are 70,000 volunteers, probably a lot of whom right now as we're talking are out there fighting fires for nothing without even the equipment they need to be safe doing that work for free. I mean, and that's the thing when Scott Morrison says, Oh, these people, they're good Aussie people, you know, volunteering is the backbone of Australia, all this kind of Australian nationalism stuff about volunteers and rural communities and all of that. And the fact that people have turned around and said, no, I am one of those people. Why would anyone want to be watching the, the land that they love and are part of and, you know, feel watch it burn and try to fight it and you, it's impossible to fight. The, these kind of mega fires... And like the firefighters say, anyone on the end of a hose mm. thinks climate change is real and it's happening now. And mm. anyone who's sitting in Canberra pretending that this is not an issue is they they just there's nothing else to just to explain it except flat out political denialism and defence of like Simone said, you know, the coal industry and all of that. So the, you know, it's a Liberal Party government nationally. It's it's a Liberal government um, in New South Wales. 
So we have this other option for Australian capitalism, but also for people to look to and to say, okay, well, if the Liberals aren't doing anything, they're the, they're the party of climate denialism and bigots and homophobes and, well, and Tony Abbott. You know, that, that's the party that we expect to have this response. But what about the Labor Party? Surely can the, you know, is, what's the Labor Party been doing on this question, Chloe? Well, Anthony Albanese is really uh, the greatest. And he's from Sydney, right? Anthony oh, Albanese yeah. from the progressive inner city of Sydney, mm. um, who was always the darling, apparently, of the Labor left, is probably uh, the biggest ally and prop that Scott Morrison has mm. in trying to face down the anger um, at this kind of fire crisis and the uh, mass kind of smoke event um, in Sydney. Uh, because the narrative that politicians want to wheel out whenever there's some kind of a crisis like this, which is obviously political, it's obviously a class issue, it's obviously a public health issue, um, is don't politicise a tragedy. Six people have died, how dare you politicise a tragedy, which is not really cutting through. People aren't buying it, but the Labor Party and Albo are doing their darndest to try and like prop that up and say, you know, we, we, we can't talk about these things until uh, right now while, you know, people are out there trying to, fight these blazes. People are going to be out here fighting these blazes and for across all of summer. They started before summer began. That's obviously political. Um, and I think that there's uh, there's a lot of anger that's been directed at uh, the Labor Party um, as well um, within these fires. There were stories about um, uh, Labor MPs um, up north in New South Wales where lots of people have lost their houses just being heckled mm. uh, viciously mm. by people uh, who have lost their homes in these blazes um, who are like, where, where is our opposition? Where is the opposition to the morrison Clear government? Well, unsurprisingly, when you've got Labor state politicians pushing through coal mines like up in Queensland with Adani and when you've got Anthony Albanese touring the coalfields of Queensland pledging his undying love to this industry, um, he, he is really backing in Scott Morrison in trying to depoliticise this issue um, and just talk about it in the most banal Australians will come together probably as volunteers uh, to face this national tragedy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty unbelievable, the lack of opposition. I mean, even the, even the question of funding for the fire service that Labor has not really said anything about, a national response like... Is there any more that we could be doing? Should we buy some more than seven planes, I think, that there are mm -hmm. in this country to fight fires where in California they have 30 firefighting planes? Still not enough, but, like, how about another few planes or something? You know, anything, really, mm -hmm. to come out of the Labor Party. And it's just been worse than silence. It's been photo opportunities with the World Coal Board or, you know, like touring the coal fields and saying, actually, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And you're mixing up the issues if you, you know, it's the same denialism mm. that is a political denialism, not a scientific one. Um, so then I guess if you go beyond or beyond the Labor Party and then to think about as people have started to kind of think, well, what about the trade union movement here then? Because what we're looking at in Sydney is people working in extremely hazardous conditions, like you said, 12 times higher than the hazardous levels and the idea that you continue to work outside even inside really when there's smoke in the buildings but mm. outside workers um to continue to work and not to have the health and safety rep say okay it's too dangerous for us to be working so there's been one case that we know about with the maritime union of australia calling people off the docks for that reason 
But apart from that, it's been pretty quiet from the union leadership. Mm. That's right, Simone. It's been deafening silence, really. Um, so what the Maritime Union did um, was excellent, um, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, nowhere near um, enough. I think for people to get a better sense of the back context to why there's been uh, little to no response um, from the trade union movement, they should listen to your the last podcast, yeah. um, Jerem Small's podcast, which um, uh, uh, really, you know, comprehensively, uh, you know, it gives some sense of the decline of the un- the trade union movement in Australia. That's the backdrop. So um, to explaining that the current situation is unfortunately um, that the ACTU um, issues a couple of memes, you know, um, that they put up on Facebook to just let people know that there's work health, work health and safety legislation that gives them a legal right to stop work if they're working in dangerous conditions. Now, that is true. Um, the problem, though, is that because of the decline of the trade union movement, because of their entanglement, um, you know, with the uh, ALP um, and... Um, uh, you know, all of the issues related to the decline of the trade union movement. Um, there's no networks. Um, there's no organising that takes place. So, you know, the first immediate instinctive response of organisers in the trade union movement should to be getting out into workplaces, should be calling workplace meetings with people to explain to them um, and organise them, organise them into figuring out how to work, walk off their workplaces. The spectacle of seeing construction workers on work sites right across the city working um, in this to- in these toxic smoke conditions is absolutely outrageous Mm. considering that every medical authority is saying not only should you not be outside in this but you should not be doing you know heavy sort of lifting physical activity um it is utterly outrageous what should be happening the kind of things that should be happening uh a little story that i want to tell um from uh a a person that i know who's a um, trade union militant um uh and labour historian, um, a young woman who um, told uh, some activists in Sydney a story last week after the amazing rally of um, upwards of 30,000 people that was called by um, uh, University Students for Climate Justice. Um, At a meeting after that, um, this young trade union militant told this story um, about how um, bridge climb, which is um, that thing that you some people do, where they go and climb the the Sydney Sydney Harbour Bridge, um, which is – so Bridge Climb is a a corporate corporate business um, that uh, has the rights to take people up this thing and make heaps of money. They make heaps of money out of doing this every day. It's been running for 21 years. Um, This trade union militant has been militating in this um, workplace uh, for a couple of years now, um, to actually try and build unionism in the workplace, sign people up to the union, um, talk to them about how there are lots of dangerous conditions in which they're being forced to walk up this bridge and take tourists up this bridge, extreme heat, you know, terrible weather events and so on. Um, the company just makes people go out in whatever weather it is. Mm. Um they, she um, had been doing some work in the workplace around, you know, this is outrageous. People shouldn't have to go out, you know, climb this bridge in these smoky conditions. Um, uh, on the day that was, I think, the worst day that we've had, which was the day before the protest um, last week um, in Sydney, 
um, not one of those workers walked up that bridge that day and it is the first time that no one has walked up that bridge in 21 years um, since its beginnings um, because someone has been doing just rank and file, mm. you know, um, bread and butter, trade union organising um, in that workplace for several years now. Um, that's what union organisers should be doing, unfortunately haven't, and that's why we've seen um, a real, like really no substantive response mm. at all. Um, and actually what, what should happen in workplaces is that every workplace should have a delegate or a delegates network of people who work there who are organised unionists, who mm. themselves call people off the job. You That's don't right. have to wait for your organiser because you, you already know. Yeah. But unfortunately we're not in that – or yeah. very rarely, like in that case, is there a situation where somebody who is a worker who's a unionist, who knows people, who organises people and who has the confidence of their workmates uh, is in a position to do that. And you can see how that is possible. But, yeah, we're not in that situation. I think the union leadership nationally is at a – point where surely to start to say well we're going to you know and, and it's not even breaking any rules actually because the health and safety <laughs> rules are not prohibitive in that sense just to say well we're going to set a precedent that people don't work in this smoke because they know as much as the liberal government do and the labor party do that this is not a situation that's just going to be a one-off so you start walking people off the job now you're going to be they could be off the job for a lot of the summer, summer. yeah and do they want to, you know, are they in a position where they think they can stand up to what the bosses and the managers and the co corporations would do if they were faced with that situation? And I think probably they realise that they've lost the strength that they may have once had or could rebuild to face that kind of backlash if that was to be their position. So I think people should be putting pressure on their union organisers and asking these questions more forcefully in Sydney and anywhere else, basically. Well, yeah, um, the bridge climb example, um, some of the aerial shots that people, the international media were actually using of Sydney to demonstrate to people the smoke haze. You could see people walking on the bridge um, in those aerial shots. And I think it shows the pretty sorry state of union organising in response to what is a WHS workplace crisis um, across the entire city. The fact that that wasn't just the ABCs, the automatic thing that happened that people didn't do this quite laborious job in these smoky conditions. Um, but also it shows what is potential there mm. that like if you have somebody with a bit of um, mm. with a bit of politics, a bit of socialist politics and union organising know how you can actually pull some people off the job around this health crisis. A lot of the um, places that have been shut down because of the smoke are schools. Um, and one of the points that a lot of the high schoolers have made because they've been leading – strikes they've been leading high school climate strikes is well scott morrison is so concerned about us missing days of school around uh um uh, activism mm -hmm. less activism in school more uh studying to build a coal mine but uh actually their schools have been shut down in, in response a lot of schools have been shut down in response to the smoke yeah um, and, and the silence fires. in response <laughs> from scott morrison on that question And the other amazing bit of research that just came out in the middle of this was the the stuff that says basically, you know, we're worried about creating anxiety with young people around climate change. They're already anxious. But the thing that actually has a positive effect is when people are active and they get organised and they go to protests and they go on strike, 
that's when those young people are saying, oh, this makes me feel better. Mm. <laughs> you know, this makes me feel like I have something I can do. And so uni students for climate justice um, called this protest, basically, silence from the government, silence from the Labor Party, basically silence from the trade union movement. So people just thought, well, we're going to do, we're going to call something, people are angry, and we're going to at least kick off some kind of mass-based activism on this. And you were involved in that. I think you chaired the rally, Chloe. Yeah, I co-chaired the rally with um, David Shoebridge from the New South Wales Greens. Um, and uh, uni students for climate justice uh, called him, called some of the local activists in Sydney and were like, where is the response uh, to what's going on? Let's put something up. And in a matter of five days, we went from having uh, a Facebook page uh, with a lot of angry comments to it to a rally of upwards of 30,000, maybe 40,000 people, um, which is a huge response. And that's without the environmental NGOs, uh, like you said, without the um, uh, serious trade union movement backing, um, just a you know uni-based uh, climate activist group uh, pulling these numbers out. And I've chaired a few rallies in my time. This is probably the angriest rally mm. that I've ever chaired. People just mm. heckling, uh, Scott uh, commenting about Scott Morrison uh, all throughout the rally. Uh, it stretched on around the corner from town hall before we started marching. No one could hear around the corner. So they just started a kind of dance party with drums and uh, kept that going uh, uh, before the rally marched. And as we marched through Sydney, just the palpable anger of the tens of thousands of people who had come, some of them would pee too much. Some of them uh, couldn't get them because of the run on Bunnings. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a massive response, but also showed the kind of vacuum that there needs to be uh, more serious organising around this. There's so much potential to actually mobilise mm. people around their anger at the government's response. And so there's another rally been called for this Saturday? Do you want to give people the details for that? Yeah, the 21st um, uh, we'll be marching across uh, the bridge. We'll be marching on Morrison, uh, so meeting at Circular Quay. Uh, and we just need ongoing mobilisation. Um, the 40,000 people shows what's possible. We need to be directing this anger at uh, Morrison and at the state government and demanding you know, the most immediate provisions in response to the health and fire crisis in terms of you know, sick leave, people are not having to work in these conditions, but also obviously linking this to the climate crisis and, um, you know, continuing to open coal mines in New South Wales while half the state burns. Mm -hmm. uh, now they're actually at risk of coal areas, um, coal being on fire with some of the fires today. Um, so we're marching on Morrison um, on the 21st uh, across the bridge. And so if people want to follow Uni Students for Climate Justice on Facebook, there's a Facebook page and I think on the page you can fill in a kind of Google form to stay in touch um, with the campaign. And there are similar groups uh, of activists organised in all the other major cities basically in Australia. So people, you don't have to be a uni student um, to get involved with that campaign group. You can just be anyone who wants to take a stand and do something. And the news just this morning is mm. that um, Scott Morrison is now in Hawaii mm. on a family mm. holiday yeah. that he has taken mm. um, up until Christmas. So, mm. again, and something that he didn't really want publicised. So mm. we'll, let's make sure that people know that because yeah. somebody, I think only it was only discovered when somebody asked, uh, the press asked for a comment on something else and it was like, oh, you have to have a spokesperson for the Prime Minister. Oh, why is that? Where is the Prime Minister? Oh, um, he's uh, uh, left the country. So... That's where we stand. So it's a, so, I think um, just to finish up, I guess one of the slogans from the rally, and that you've been talking about 
um, and that's probably illustrated in the discussion that we've had is there's there's nobody who's going <laughs> to save us but us. So people should get involved in the fight back and the action. Anything? Any final words, um, Simone? Yeah. If there's any locals in Hawaii that want to take Scott Morrison out to Waimea <laughs> Bay and dump him in some six-foot surf on a surfboard, do us all a favour. But that obviously wouldn't change anything <laughs> because the rest of the Australian capitalist class, um, the Liberals and the Labor Party will do a good job of continuing to uh, enable the system to grind on um, uh, and uh, act in the interests of the coal bosses and big business, not the rest of us. So um, that's the thing I, I think that is most important to end on is no one is coming to save us um, except for us. We need mass ongoing resistance um, to the status quo, which is only going to get worse over the summer in New South Wales. I suspect it will get worse everywhere across mm. Australia, like there will be fire emergencies everywhere. So this thing is only going to get worse and that means um, everyone um, that is outraged about this, um, and they are. I've seen some of the tweets this morning in response to the Hawaii announcement, mm. um, just definitive, you know, it's just so reflective of so how outraged people are. So, yes, like people need to come to these mass rallies, continue to build them. We can't, they can't stop. They, ha they must continue. Um, yep, I think that's where, what we need to do. Yeah, well, on the 21st, um, it's not just the march across the bridge to Kirribilli House, which – Scott Morrison will obviously be absent occupy, from. Maybe. Yeah, well, there was a lot of uh, people from uh, north of New South Wales who uh, were evacuated from their houses that um, uh, had a funny Facebook page that they were coming to stay at Kirribilli with Scott Morrison and is he going to open their house to them. But we'll be marching across the bridge onto Kirribilli. Uh, but there's also rallies around the country. So people should, uh, like Uni Students for Climate Justice on Facebook, should get along to your local rally. I know there's rallies in Canberra. Um, there's some coming up in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, it's going to be all summer. The climate crisis is um, really hitting home this summer um, and there'll be actions around mm. the country. Cool. Well, thank you both so much for being here um, with us in Melbourne and good luck and continue the struggle in Sydney and we'll do a bit here as well. You're listening to Red Flag Radio. We literally have a world to win. <laughs> <laughs>